Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. I'm going to talk to you a bit about inner child healing today, which it's a topic I've brushed on in many episodes, but haven't really gone deep with in a long time. And it's almost because inner child healing is a topic I focused on a lot in the beginning of my spiritual journey. I would say, you know, three or four years ago, it was central uh, to everything I was doing, learning, teaching. And it still is central to everything, but it's almost like I've gotten to a place where inner child healing and processing and it's just become such an integrated part of my reality that I don't even realize I'm doing it. And by doing it, quote unquote, I mean tuning into my inner child, becoming conscious of how she's feeling and reacting and and especially in triggered moments, but each and every moment. Noticing when she's pulling away, noticing when my reactions are coming from her rather than the actual situation, noticing when my loved ones are being triggered in their own inner children and reacting from that conscious space of awareness, knowing that it's my inner child who needs the soothing in this moment. And I'm going to share more about what this looks like, because I think that there's a lot of talk, right? I talk a lot about opening your heart. And in the past, I talked a lot about healing your inner child and probably still do mention that from time to time. But a big question I often get, no matter what I'm teaching is how do I do this? And it's really hard to answer the how questions because once you begin to do this deep work, it slowly becomes integrated into your being and you no longer have to even think about how to do anything. It's just happening to you all the time. Life is flowing through you and this is just your new way of being, your new embodiment, your new belief system, your new level of conscious awareness. And that kind of just navigates everything for you, if that makes sense. So when I'm living my life, I'm not constantly thinking, oh, I need to do some inner child healing right now, or I need to open my heart right now, or I need to whatever the practice is. Sometimes I am. But usually it's just become this like unconscious habit. I've reprogrammed my unconscious so that my unconscious is now aligned with healing practices and conscious practices rather than, rather than the unconscious spirals that I used to be, that used to be running all the time. And so I think it's so important to share this, what this looks like for me, because I think there's no matter how many times I say this, there is still always this misconception that there is an end goal healed place to get to where suddenly we are healed. We are free from our limiting beliefs and our pain and our wounds and our triggers. 
and that it's gone forever. And this belief permeates so deeply that I see so many people who, you know, you quote unquote heal a particular wound or trigger, or you think you work through it, through it or integrate it or transmute it. And then lo and behold, a day later or a week later or a month later or a year later, that same trigger comes back and it comes back strongly. And then said person starts to think something is wrong with them. They think they're regressing. They wonder what's going on with me. I thought I healed this. I thought it was over this by now. Why is it coming back? I must not be as healed as I thought I was. All of that hard work I did was for nothing. I'm going to start attracting horrible things into my life. So I just want to give you permission to let go of all of the pressure you put on yourself to be this healed version of yourself all the time. Healing is not about getting rid of our triggers and a sign of progress does not mean that you're never triggered again or your triggers go away or even that the triggers become easier. The sign of progress is in the way that you respond to your triggers, whether you close off or you open your heart to them. Maybe in the beginning, it's just staying conscious to them. Maybe in the beginning, you still close your heart, but you're conscious of them. And over time, you begin to open because opening is a practice. And I'm going to share what I mean by that with an example that happened to me today. So this morning, I received a text from... One of my best friends, someone I love so much, and she had planned to come see me. We had it planned for a while, and she sent me a message letting me know that she wasn't going to come anymore. And that was basically all the message said. It didn't really explain much of why or what was going on, and immediately I got it so triggered. I was so angry. The stories in my head were, you don't care about me anymore. You don't care about seeing my new life. You don't care about supporting me. You probably don't love me as much as I thought you did, etc. And they spiraled from there. And I was working myself up and getting so angry. And I was about to do what I've done most of my life until I really began my healing journey and really until the last year when I've really gone really deep within myself, which is pull away when I get triggered and angry. Don't let them see that you're hurt. Act chill. It's not a big deal. Don't let them know, right? Because as soon as someone sees you're hurt, they know that you care. They know how deeply you care. And that's really vulnerable for all of us, for any human being, it's really vulnerable to let someone in on the little tiny secret that we care a lot, even about things that might seem really small. So my go-to protection mechanism is pull away, passive aggressiveness, kind of like ignoring, taking space that like, oh yeah, they're going to, they're going to get what's coming for them, right? I'm just going to ignore them and they're going to know that I'm angry, right? And you know, they're, they're going to feel bad. (laughs) I think that we all have our different coping mechanisms, protection mechanisms, mechanisms when we get triggered. And yeah, mine is to pull away and act passive aggressively. And growing up, that was always how I responded and reacted. And sometimes it still comes out. And it was maybe about like 15 minutes of me kind of just like leaving her on red, which is 
the modern day passive aggressiveness, leaving her unread. And then after 10, 15 minutes, it was really quick. I had this realization of, wow, Kristen, you just closed down your heart. You completely shut down your heart for the past 10, 15 minutes. We know that nothing good comes from shutting down your heart. Feels really scary to open it, but nothing good comes from shutting down. So in that moment, I decided to actually open. So to open my heart, it means getting rid of those walls, like destroying them. The walls that said, move away. We can't open up and be vulnerable. It'll show how much we care. And if someone knows how much we care, that means that they can hurt us even more. So instead of doing that, the option was open up and share how you're actually feeling. And this can be really difficult for a lot of us to navigate. It is a practice sharing our hearts openly and vulnerably. And so I simply opened up a conversation and shared how receiving that text had made me feel because when it comes down to it, it wasn't about her actually canceling our plans because deep down, I actually knew why that had happened. I knew what was going on in her life and it made perfect sense that she wouldn't have the capacity to show up for me. What really deeply hurt me when I thought about it and asked myself before I had the conversation, I asked myself, Kristen, what would you need in this experience to feel safe and loved in this relationship? And the answer wasn't, I need her to always follow through on her word. That's ridiculous. I want her to do what's best for her as I do with all my loved ones. The answer was, I want to know that she still cares about me. And as soon as I realized that I started crying, as soon as I asked myself that question, what do I need? Because what I realized in that moment was that that anger and rage I had, I wasn't actually angry at her. I was actually feeling really abandoned. I was feeling really sad. I was feeling like she didn't care about me or my life, which wasn't actually true. And I knew that, but it was my inner child. This little girl with deep abandonment wounds who felt like she was being abandoned in that moment. It was like that trigger in that moment. I wasn't feeling an emotional reaction directly to this experience. I was feeling the old emotional reaction to when I was actually abandoned in my life. And that was all coming up to the surface. And I was feeling very unlovable, very small, very unworthy of love and friendship. And all of that had to come out. And as soon as I gave it permission and, and witnessed it exactly as it was, it did come out. And what I realized was that anger, like I said, I wasn't angry at my friend I was angry for the little girl in me who had been abandoned over and over and over by people who were important to her in her life. It was like this inner warrior in me came out to protect her. I was seeing her and her grief and her sadness and, and her vulnerability. And so my protection mechanism was to get big and angry to protect her. I was angry for her. But what I wasn't realizing in that moment was not only was the anger actually just a cover up for my grief and sadness and therefore not worthy of being projected outward, but it wasn't the anger that needed to be expressed. It was the grief. I needed to give my inner child permission 
to feel sad. She needed to be validated in her experience, knowing that it was valid that she felt sad, that she was lost in this story, that she was being abandoned. And at the same time, she needed to know that it wasn't the truth. But in order to do this, I had to teach her how to act as if she was still worthy of receiving love and to act as if how she was feeling is really valid. But the problem is that so many people get stuck in the anger stage. They get so stuck in the anger stage, in the self-righteous, anger, passive-aggressive stage that they're never, they never move past that in this experience. They never realize what's actually under the anger and the rage. They're never actually able to be there and validate what their inner child is really feeling. And they're never able to actually open up to receive love in this scenario. So let me show you what that actually means. And in this particular scenario, not all scenarios, but in this one, it meant a conversation. It meant me sharing my heart vulnerably after I had already processed and self-soothed. This really was a process of like really a few minutes, five, 10 minutes or so of me really sitting with myself, processing, feeling, letting it move through me, self-soothing, and then opening myself up for the conversation, which really just looked like, Hey, it was really hurtful for me to receive this message, not because you had to cancel your plans because I understand, but because whether or not this story is true, which it probably is not, it triggered feelings within me, a feeling of feeling like you don't care about my life and it triggered my abandonment wounds and fears. It made me feel sad at the end of the day. Really just a simple message saying, this is how I feel. That's it. Not leading from, you made me feel this way, or you shouldn't have done this, but simply saying, this is how I feel. And then, this is what I need, was the next stage. This is how I feel. This is what I need. I don't need you to always follow through on your word. I understand sometimes there are going to be situations where that is out of integrity. What I need is for you to communicate with me how you're feeling when this happens. I need confirmation that you still care, right? And this created this like this heart opening conversation where we were able to really connect and actually move our relationship to an even deeper place where we're able to understand each other even more deeply. We both opened up about whatever our childhood trauma and wounds were in those moments that created this miscommunication. And I'll share a little bit more. And in the end, I felt completely loved, validated, seen, heard, witnessed, and understood. I no longer felt sad. Of course, I was still bummed, but I no longer felt this heartbreaking sadness of abandonment. I no longer felt triggered. I just felt an understanding and that was it. So what had really happened was, well, two things. There's another part of the story I'm going to share before I get into the inner child stuff. But the first thing that is that part of her inner child stories and traumas from when she was little is that it's not okay for her to express how she's feeling that she'll be more accepted if she does not express that she cares. That if she doesn't express that she cares about someone or something, things don't hurt as bad. So she learned for a really long time 
to just act chill about things, to act like it's not a big deal, to not express how much she actually really cares, even though she does. So for her, she knew that she really cares about me, of course, in my life, but she also knew she didn't have the capacity to show up, but she also didn't in that moment have the capacity to express that because she was caught in that kind of inner loop that she sometimes gets caught in. And it was up to me to ask for what I needed. It was up to me to say, hey, my inner child is hurting. This is what I need from you. And I think that especially this situation is not a romantic relationship that I'm describing. And I think there's so much conversation out there about expressing your needs in relationships and not feeling needy, but no one talks about friendships and it's the same thing. You need to ask for your needs. You need to express them. You cannot just expect them to be met. I cannot just expect her to tell me how much she cares about me and how sad she is that she can't make it to see me. I can't just assume that she doesn't think that even though she's not saying it. I never express my need to her that I need that to be verbally expressed so that I can feel okay and safe in this relationship. And as soon as as I verbally expressed that, she was able to meet that need for me. Problem gone. You cannot expect unexpressed needs to be met, whether it's in a romantic relationship, a working relationship, a family relationship, or a friendship. You have to give someone the opportunity to meet your needs, and you're not giving them the opportunity if you're not expressing them. We all have different traumas, stories, that are looping all the time, which make it difficult in every single moment to always be consciously aware of how someone else is perceiving what we're doing or saying based on their own stories, trauma, and perceived beliefs. That happened also over text. I think it's really easy to get triggered over text because it's really hard to actually portray the full spectrum of what we're feeling, etc. But I'm going to share this because this one was actually an equally as triggering trigger for me. So I actually received a message about from once again, from a really close friend about something really exciting that had happened in her life two days prior, but she kind of said it as an afterthought, like, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this and kind of just under understated it. And immediately I got extremely triggered again. And it was this feeling of, oh my gosh, I must not be important to her. She's mentioning as a side thought this huge exciting life event she must not value me enough to share her actual excitement when it happened she must not value me enough to actually share the story and call me and tell it to me she just was you know checking this off the list I gotta let her know what happened and just send it to me as an afterthought right that's the story in my head I suddenly feel unlovable I feel not good enough I feel unworthy same thing processed this myself and then brought it to the table and fully expressed it. But you know, me in the past would just kind of file this away in the back of my brain as another example, piece of evidence and proof that my friends don't love me enough, that I'm not lovable or worthy because they must treat their other friends better. And my go-to once again is to pull away, to not express, because I also learned at a young age that when I express my emotions and how I'm feeling, it's not safe. It's not received in a safe way 
that person might blow up in your face and you're going to end up feeling hurt and feeling even more unloved. So I learned when I was sad or angry to bottle it up and to act out passive aggressively over time so that I could not be hurt in that moment. And so that's what I learned to do my whole life is act out passive aggressively. So my go-to in this situation would have been once again, file this away. And when something exciting happens to me, do the same thing back to her, leaving her even more confused, triggering whatever her trauma is. And therefore sending ourselves into a loop that leads to resentment long-term and unhealthy relationship dynamics. So what I did instead was I opened my heart to her completely and I just responded and let her know like, Hey, I'm really happy for you that this happened. And I want to hear more about it and express my excitement to you. But honestly, right now I can't get past the hurt that I feel upon receiving this as kind of a side note, a few days later for something that feels really exciting and it's really life-changing for you. Because, you know, for me in my life, when something like huge like this happens, like this event had happened, I'm so used to, I always right away call and share with my best friends. I just can't keep it in. And so I assume that everyone else is like that. We always unconsciously assume that everyone else is the same as us on the inside. And it's almost always not true. But when everyone else doesn't react the way that we would act, we automatically make it about us. It's almost impossible not to even if it isn't about us, which it almost never is. So I simply expressed that it had been hurtful for me to receive the information in this way and that it made me kind of feel sad and, and unimportant. And immediately it opened up space for a deeper connection and conversation and heart opening for both of us, where she didn't even express to me that she didn't even realize she was doing it. And actually she has a pattern from childhood where she actually learned that it's not safe for her to express exciting things about herself. She learned in childhood that the needs of others were way more important than hers and she should never share anything with someone else if they haven't already shared equally as much with her. That way she's not overgiving or oversharing or burdening anyone else with herself or parts of her life, whether good or bad. And so it became an unconscious pattern for her of protecting herself so that she did not have to burden anyone she grew up feeling like she was a burden to some people and she took that on into her adult life. And sometimes it unconsciously plays out still. So I could have sat in this story of my inner child of saying, I'm unlovable as a friend. I'm not good enough. I'm angry at her. Or I could open my heart, share the hurt and pain that my, that I am in the way my inner child and my abandonment wounds were triggered which is what I did. And that once again, led us to a deeper connection and open communication where she was actually able to realize that she was caught in this cycle unconsciously. She was actually able to realize that she was worthy of opening up and sharing the exciting things in her life with the people that she's, that she loves and feels safe with in healthy relationship dynamics like mine. Once again, this is a friendship, but I think it works the same way, whether it's romantic or not. She was able to realize that it's safe in a healthy dynamic like ours to share as much as she wants to when she is excited and beautiful things happen in her life and that she is not a burden to her loved ones. And I was able to realize in that moment that 
her actions didn't mean I was any less lovable or it didn't say anything about our friendship. It was actually her trying to protect our relationship. It was her trying to make sure that she maintained a feeling of, of feeling loved. And it's so interesting because the thing that earned us the most love as a child, the things that we learned to do that earned us the most love as children will almost always sabotage our ability to feel loved as adults until we realize them, recognize them and let them go. And it's really helpful to have people you love around you who are willing and able to reflect these things to you in the moments when they are hurt so we can realize when our unconscious stories are running. And also it's really important to navigate when we feel hurt or triggered to notice what what unconscious stories of our own are running. It is our job to no longer project our triggers and emotions on the people who triggered us. It is our job to manage and process those experiences before coming back and opening our hearts to go deeper because whenever you're triggered by someone, it's an invitation to go deeper with them. It's an invitation to clear something out of the relationship. It's an invitation to bring that relationship into an even deeper space of love and acceptance and openness, but it is damn hard. But the invitation with this podcast and these stories that I'm sharing the reason I'm sharing them is I want you to ask yourself, what are the ways that I learned as a little girl or a little boy or a little kid? What were the things that I learned to do to help me earn more love? Or what are the things that I learned to do that would protect me from losing love when I was a child? And how are those patterns now playing out in my life now? Because as adults, those patterns actually block us from feeling loved and not feeling loved is not proof that we are not loved. It's actually simply proof that we have a really terrified and hurt inner child who is feeling triggered and abandoned and unlovable. It is a sign that they are seeking your attention, love and acceptance and validation. And when you do that, you're actually able to open your heart up to receive love where you previously would have been closed off to it, where you're able to actually show your inner child, Hey, you're worthy of love right here. Even though you're triggered and emotional, I'm going to give you the space and attention and validation to allow you to process those emotions and those feelings because you're totally valid in them. And not only that, but I'm going to take you with me and I'm going to show you that you're worthy and actually still loved in this scenario. I'm going to take the action that would open ourselves up to receive love, even if it's not received well, because in both of these experiences, I could have opened up my heart, shared how I, how I was feeling, and I could have been shut down, but it still would have been worth it. Because what I was doing is I was showing my inner child that she is worthy of me doing the hard things in the name of love. If we don't open ourselves up in the moments where we feel unlovable, if we don't, if we refuse to open ourselves up to receive love, we will never feel lovable. We will never feel loved ever. We will live our entire lives feeling, feeling unlovable and feeling as though our reality is constantly proving to us that we are unlovable, just like we believe. And it's not because it's true, but because we are constantly acting in the same cycles we learned in childhood that actually push love away. Right. For me, this looks like passive aggressiveness, pulling away, avoiding, backing off when I'm hurt, hiding my hurt and bottling it up instead of expressing it. 
Sometimes you are even over empathizing with someone so much to the point that I don't express that I'm hurt because I have so much compassion for their inner child trauma, quote unquote. I create so many excuses in my head to bottle things up, back off, move away, and eventually it builds up as passive aggressiveness, even if I don't mean to. When I was a kid, it earned me more love in my eyes because I got to avoid big blow-ups where I felt like I was losing love. I got to avoid people getting angry at me for expressing my emotions and my hurt. As an adult, in my adult relationships, all it does is block me off from receiving love where there is love there to receive. It's usually just miscommunicated. The love being sent my way is oftentimes not in a language that I understood, not in a language I learned in childhood. Usually as adults, we all speak different love languages, and I'm not talking about the five love languages of giving gifts, words of affirmation, etc. I know most of you probably heard of those. Those are important, but when I'm talking about love language in this capacity, I'm talking about the ways we learn to give and receive love as children, what we learned we had to do, the ways we learned we had to perform, the ways we learned we had to hide in order to protect ourselves from losing love or to guarantee that we could earn it or receive it. So this is a practical example of practices of opening. When I say opening your heart, I talk about that. I throw that phrase around all the time because it's central to all of this work and everything I teach and attracting and magnetizing everything you want and feeling close to yourself and God and softening all of this. You want to be magnetic? Amazing. Are you willing to do what it takes to open your heart when all it wants to do is shut down? Are you willing to vulnerably and messily communicate how you're actually feeling when you're hurt and when you're feeling loved? Are you willing to risk the vulnerability it takes to show how much you actually care in the name of love? Because the truth is most of us don't open up vulnerably because we've learned that when we open up vulnerably, when we open our hearts, we get hurt. And that is a reality. We've all experienced it. And I can't promise you, you won't be hurt again. I can actually guarantee you, you will. If you continue to open your heart as a practice over and over and over, I guarantee you will be hurt again. Probably multiple times because humans are imperfect. However, I can also guarantee that you will feel and experience and receive more love than you ever have in your life. The price we pay for closing down our hearts is our capacity to feel and receive love. There might be people around us loving us, but we may not actually be able to fully feel it or receive it. And so even though everyone around us is loving us, we still feel unlovable. We still don't feel loved. That is the price we pay for closing down our hearts, which may protect us from the extreme pain of heartbreak and, and rejection and, or simply someone shutting us down in a moment where we're opening, rejecting our emotions. That is painful. That is heartbreaking. But we weren't meant to live a life in avoidance of pain. We were meant to live a life in complete openness to obliteration by love. But love cannot penetrate us if we have walls up to it, if we are closed off to it. 
And this is where the heart opening and inner child healing come hand in hand. If you are conscious and aware of your inner child pattern, behaviors, traumas, and stories, you no longer have to live in this unconscious loop of always believing and also believing that life is constantly proving to you that you are not good enough, that you are unlovable. I could be sitting here after my past few days, and honestly, I only shared two of the stories. There were many more than that. This has been my lesson of the past four days or so. I could be sitting here after all those experiences, feeling small, feeling like a victim, feeling sad, feeling distant from the people who love me the most, feeling resentment toward the people who love me the most. But instead, I'm sitting here completely open, feeling more love than I've ever felt by these particular people in my life. Feeling more at peace in myself, feeling so much love for myself and my inner child. So much healing happened and so much love was let in simply by opening, noticing when my heart shut down, noticing when my inner child was triggered and choosing to continue to open, choosing to validate her feelings and hold her hand and soothe her, but continue to open anyway. And the thing is, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when we stay closed because you might say, what's going on? Why am I manifesting all these people who don't love me? Or, you know, why, why is God sending people in my life who just prove that I'm unlovable? Like, I get it. This is too much. I'm sick of it. But what's really happening is God isn't sending us people who don't love us or trigger us. You're not manifesting people who don't love you. You're actually simply shut down to receiving the love that really is here for you. You and the people around you who do love you are oftentimes speaking different languages of love. And as long as you are shut down to every language of love but your own, no love can get in. It's almost like we all have a unique mold for what love looks and feels like to us that we learn when we're kids. And most of these are skewed representations of what real love actually is. But yet that mold is still there. And the way I see it, it's like we have this wall up in front of our heart. And in that wall is one hole in the shape of the mold or the puzzle piece that we learn that love looks like. So we think we've set ourselves up perfectly. We create a wall to keep out all the bad shit we don't want. But we created a hole in the perfect size and shape of love as we know it so that love can still get in, not realizing that everyone has their own mold or puzzle piece for what love is to them, the way they experience it as a kid or the ways that the stories they have about it, the belief system that they built around love skewed as it might be, everyone's is different. And so all of the people around you who love you so deeply are sending their love at you, but it's in the shape of their mold. Therefore, when it gets to our wall, it can't fit in our hole. So this genius plan that we had, that our inner child had as a kid actually is not working, but we're not realizing that everyone's mold is different. So we're like, wait, I left a hole for love. No love is coming in. I must not be lovable. And we internalize that deeply over and over and over. But once you realize that, wait a second, 
No one else's mold is the same as mine. People were throwing love at me my entire life and I was never able to feel it because I wasn't letting it in because it didn't look like mine. And then you have to smash down the entire wall because that hole was never enough. And this is like same with God, right? So many people say, I can't feel him. I know he's supposed to love me unconditionally, but why can't I feel it? Just because you don't feel feel God's love doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you are not being wrapped in love in each and every moment. But opening to love is a practice. Learning to receive love is a practice, especially unconditional love. And it is a practice that takes time to open ourselves up to, to show our bodies that it's safe, that we don't need to run away from it or put up more walls as soon as it gets close. But your capacity to feel love is not equal or representative of the love that is here for you, whether it be in your human relationships or in your relationship with God. It doesn't mean that people can't do things to help us to feel their love. But we also, a lot of the work is ours. It's, it's not just their job. Same with God. He's already loving us. You might have loved him, but he never left you. He never walked away even for a moment, even when you didn't believe in him. He was always there, always wrapping you in love in each and every moment. But we have free will. And when we put a wall around our heart, we block out all of the love, including his. It doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it's unable to penetrate our own hearts because we are blocking it. And so the invitation here is to ask God to help you to soften your heart to him if you're not feeling his love. I had someone ask me the other day in one of the groups I'm leading right now, you know, She had a lot of religious trauma, like many of us do. And she was like, well, I don't connect with the ways that I was taught to connect with God. I don't feel good about the church. I don't feel good about the ways I was taught to pray. I don't know how to connect with him anymore. Like, how do I do that? And the answer is like, if you never knew or learned anything about God, if we just let everything you thought you knew about him go and started from scratch, And you thought of God as just this unconditionally loving father figure. How would you want to communicate with him? There is no secret. I can't tell you how to do it. I mean, thinking about so many of you followed me when I used to talk a lot about the universe, not realizing that when I was connecting to the universe, it was really God. Many of us didn't have any problem connecting with the universe. You know why? Because we didn't have this belief that the universe loved us. So we weren't blocked to it. We were able and didn't have a problem with simply speaking to the universe. Speaking your manifestations to life. It was like a form of prayer. Or asking for signs or synchronicities. And suddenly, God, when we move into the space of trusting God, moving away from seeing the universe as the whole picture, it gets more complicated because now love is involved and we learn that love is complicated and that we have to earn it, that we have to show up in the right way to receive it. But that's not how this works. 
Love doesn't make it more complicated. It makes it less complicated. Unconditional love means that you literally cannot do anything wrong. You cannot lose love. There is no right or wrong way to connect with God. You can't do it wrong. You can't make him love you less. You knew how to connect with the universe. You knew how to connect with spirit. You know how to connect with mother nature. You innately know how to tune into and connect to God. And like I said, the invitation here is to ask him to soften your heart. If you feel called to, to ask him to help you to open because everyone wants to attract what's meant for them to open, to receive more love and to have a life that kind of just falls into place as it's meant to. But nothing can fall into place as it's meant to if you're closed off to everything that is meant for you. And first, we have to soften. And But the thing is, when you ask God to soften your heart, don't be surprised if he hardens it first. Don't be surprised if you feel a lot first. And if that feeling a lot actually brings you to your knees. Because this is a devotional path. This is not a, you know vending machine where I would just ask God for something and he delivers perfectly. I just got what I want. I put in a cord and I got what I wanted. I prayed in the right way and he answered. This is a devotional practice to opening to God and his will and his love for us. You must be in complete devotion to love, to yourself, to God's will and to his love in order to stay open to this process because it will bring you to your knees. When you ask him to soften your heart, don't be surprised if it's hardened first. Don't be surprised if rage, anger, grief, suppressed emotions come to the surface. And the way I picture this literally, like when I ask God to soften my heart is I imagined, and I, I this is a practice I use. I'll ask him to soften my heart when I'm feeling closed off. And I know there's inner child something or a trigger or something that needs to move through, but I just can't get out of my projection. I'll ask him to soften my heart. And the way I imagine heart softening, but hardening first is the image that I see when I close my eyes is like this glowing, soft, beautiful heart, but it's surrounded in mud, like thick brown mud, like really deep, thick mud. That's like immovable. And the more you try to push it away, just the thicker it gets. And so instead of fighting with that mud, instead, God shines down the solar energy that he is. It's like the sun hardening that mud. That mud gets cakey and brittle and hard. And now it's easy to crack. It just takes one little crack and it shatters and falls away. The mud that was there to protect you, the wall that was there to protect you. It's like it has to be hardened so that it can crack open and shatter away. But that process can feel really painful. Like I said, it can bring us to our knees. Because what's falling away and like what is that mud? All of our experiences, all of our extremely painful experiences that have been built up over life this entire lifetime or lifetimes. They've all been stored away in that mud. The reminders of all the times that we've been really, really hurt. To remind us to never 
be that open again. And so when that mud is dried up, when God hardens our hearts so that that outer layer can crack away and shatter, fall away, so that our heart is open and free, when that happens, it means that we get to feel all that has been repressed in that mud so that it can fully fall away, right? Got to feel it to heal it. Got to feel it to let it move through us. We don't have to linger in it but we do have to allow it to move through us. And that means feeling it fully. This is why this work is not for everyone. Not everyone is ready and that's okay. But it's also why I say, be careful what you ask for because you will receive it. But it cannot be forced and you must be in full devotion to this path in order to completely align with it, to align with God's will for you and the path that is meant for you. Because it was never meant to be easy. It brings more ease, brings more blessings, more love, more fulfillment, more purpose, but it was never meant to be easy. We're cyclical. I mention this all the time. It's just so true. Look at nature. Nature does not experience spring all year round. And neither can we. And yet so many of us judge our entire lives based off of one winter season, not realizing that winter is needed and necessary and means that spring is imminent. So let God bring you to your knees. You can live your life as a prayer from your knees. And an important reminder is that God is still good even when life is not. Don't lose faith in his plan for you just because you don't like his process. His process is much more effective than your plan. Even if it feels more painful or more uncomfortable in the beginning. Because sometimes God's got to harden that damn mud so it can be cracked away so that you can open to receive everything that you have actually been praying for. Your way might seem like the more pain-free way, but it is not the best way. I think that's all I'll share about this for now. This actually went longer than I intended it to. I thought it would be a short 20 minute episode. I hope that my personal shares supported you. I hope they were helpful. I wanted to share some more practical examples of kind of how this stuff plays out in my life and what it looks like because I don't live a perfect reality where I'm never triggered. I'm triggered all the time. What matters is how I respond, react, and move through these triggers and use every single trigger as an invitation to open more, uh, to embrace love even more deeply and to build my connection with myself and God in each and every one of those moments, challenges, and triggers. And with all of that said, if you feel called to work one-on-one with me in any capacity, I'm opening up a few different shorter-term containers right now. I have one space for a long-term client. If you feel called, I can feel someone coming. So if that's you, you'll know, you'll feel it. 
And if you want to work with me, work with me in a smaller, more short-term capacity, maybe you're not ready to commit long-term or ready to make that investment. I'm opening up a few short-term containers before I leave for my retreat in Greece. So if you're interested in a shorter term or long-term container with me, just send me a message on Instagram or you can apply and the link is in the show notes or in the bio on my Instagram at pursuit of bliss with an underscore. My one-on-one clients are my soulmates and you'll know if that's you because your soul, your soul will be calling you. That's all I need to say about that. There is still one space left to come hang out with me in person on my retreat in Greece. We'll be spending five nights and six days together on a beautiful island in Greece. I just booked my flights. I have never been to Greece. I'm so excited and I've been feeling into the energy and it just, yeah, lots of openness, lots of womb connection and healing, lots of God, lots of connection, lots of sisterhood. If you feel called to come experience Greece, if you feel called sisterhood, if you feel called to work with me in some capacity and really feel called to an in-person experience, and especially if you feel called to Greece, the information, uh, link to register and all the details are in the show notes in my Instagram bio, or you can send me a message on Instagram or email me if you have questions. Uh, we're going to be staying in a beautiful, beautiful luxury villa ocean view villa with a pool and a beautiful yoga shala in nature with just glass on all sides and view of nature for all of our group sessions together and a five minute walk from the beach and I've got lots of surprises planned for everyone uh, so if you feel called or want any more information simply reach out to me and once again if this podcast spoke to you at all if it helped you it means the world to me when you guys leave me honest reviews on iTunes really helps me. Also, when you share with your family and friends, it's one of my favorite things ever to have people reach out and let me know that one of my longtime listeners shared it to them and it just changed their life or touched their heart and that God really spoke to them through my podcast. So if someone is on your heart, if this podcast spoke to you, it means the world when you share it and also love when you all repost on Instagram so I can see that you're listening. So until next week, sending lots of love.